Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I am your host on Tuesdays, like I always am from now and going forward. I am Jacob Westendorf. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. I am joined by nobody. Ross Uglum retired. And Jacob Morley sent me a message earlier today and said, I can't go. Didn't give me a reason why, just kind of said I'm not going. It's like the, I think it's a scene from the movie Ted when Mark Wahlberg's late and the boss is asking him, like, why are you late? And he's like, man, just whatever. He's like, you want to give it a shot, make something up? And he just kind of goes, no. So that's what I'm assuming Morley did today uh, to not have to record with me. So if you do not like me, I completely understand that. Just remember, you cannot hate me any more than I already hate myself. But if you don't, my thoughts are the only ones that you're going to get today. So now would be a good time to tune out if you wanted to do that. However, if you want to listen and talk some Packers with me, feel free to do so. And if you want to do that every day, you can check us out on the Pack-A-Day podcast on Twitter at Pack-A-Day podcast. Like, rate, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You can do that on YouTube as well. And I would be happy uh, to see you there sometimes. Sometimes I do the video stuff when, when Andy's not around, which he is not this week. So I want to wish him a happy vacation in Italy. Kudos to him. He recorded like... 10 episodes before he left. Uh, so I think he deserves some credit and a special shout out for that. So I wanted to go through today, today's topic. Um, I asked you guys for some help because it's May. And unfortunately this is like the die down period, right? The schedule came out, uh, which is kind of cool. I guess everybody like, nah, I shouldn't say everybody. There was like a discussion point of, is it even that big of a deal? Cause we already know who they're playing. We know where they're playing. Sure. But if you're like me, and I'm relatively local to Green Bay, I guess, but not that local. I schedule my entire life around the NFL schedule, which maybe is says more about me than maybe it should. But 
It's true. It does. And I also think that the schedule release day and time and just the way that like planning a trip to Lambeau, if that is where you are going, it takes some time and you want to know when that is. So you can budget appropriately. How much longer do you have to save money? All that good stuff for, you know, a Packers game. It's a lot to do. There's a lot of things that, that go on in that time frame. So I think the schedule release day is fun. And me, myself, I scheduled a flight to Las Vegas. I will be there for the Raiders game. That uh, sounds like some of you will be there as well. If you are, let me know. I will be there from Thursday until Tuesday night or Tuesday morning, I should say. I leave Tuesday morning to come back home. And then two weeks later, I'll be in Denver for Packers and Broncos. So I'll be doing that as well. And then I also hope to attend a Packers game at Lambeau this year uh, as a fan. So hopefully I'm able to do that. Uh, I can't imagine why I wouldn't, but you know, never know as, as far as how everything goes, but looking forward to that. I did appreciate the schedule release day. Um, I had a discussion with Marcus Eversall on WDZ, the fan earlier, where it's like, there's really only one game on that schedule where I'm just kind of like, yeah, they're probably not winning that one. And it's the Sunday night game at home against Kansas city. Uh, it's just, it's the chiefs. They're the defending champions, the Packers this year. I mean, anything's possible, right? But the likelihood of them being Super Bowl contenders, like serious ones, is very slim. It's in the same bucket, I always say, as like them going 3-14 and 14 and getting the first pick in next year's draft. That's on the table also, but it's in that same bucket of like there's a 1-5% to 5% chance this happens. But that's really the only game is Kansas City where I'm like, yeah, they probably can't. Unless you know, if Jordan Love stinks on ice, which I don't know if he does, I don't know if he doesn't. And we'll get to that with some of your questions here in just a minute then maybe there are more games on there that are just unwinnable because bad quarter. It's hard to win in the NFL with bad quarterback play. And the Packers have not experienced that. I think the last time, like a legitimately bad quarterback season that I could think of the last time they had one was that year when Favre threw like 30 interceptions in the season. They went four and 12 Uh, for starters. I should say like Brett Hundley, bad Scott Tolzien, uh, Seneca Wallace, that entire hodgepodge of even Matt Flynn had some real clunkers in that 2013 season. Joe Callahan had a cameo. He was awful. Uh, but I mean, from a true consistent, the starting quarterback stinks. The Packers haven't had that in quite some time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, you know, if they're that bad, then, then maybe, but I don't think Jordan Love's going to be that bad. I don't think the Packers are going to be that bad. That's kind of my feeling as we sit here right now. I think they're a middle of the pack team. And, and we'll see where that happens. I mean, there's, you know, the, the range of outcomes I think that's realistic for this team is between six and 12 wins. And I know that's a very wide margin. Um, I just, I don't know what the quarterback is. I don't know how much faith I, I I'm, I'm like Fox Mulder from, from the X-Files. I want to believe in the Packers defense, but I, it's kind of like the lions being good. I've never seen it. So I can't believe in it until I see it actually happening. And that was kind of one of my reasons for not being as high on them last year as maybe some other people were, but let's take on that for uh, tonight's topic. I asked you guys for some help. So I got some questions. I'm going to go through those and give you guys my thoughts here. So the first question, uh, unfortunately, Jacob Morley hijacked these things. So the one question he kept asking was uh, when Jordan love plays well, do you want me to release the hate receipts at all at one time or should I spread them out? And he is, that question reads as if he's referencing other people. He is referencing me. And that is because Jordan Love, Jacob Morley is Jordan Love's biggest fan. 
And in the DMs, I will always tell him that he is terrible because he is my friend and I tell my friends things like that. Now, that being said, I am joking when I say Jordan Love will be terrible, but I will also be very honest with you. I did not like him coming out of Utah State and I have seen nothing to change that. And my general take on it has always been however you felt about Jordan Love coming out of the draft is how you should feel about him now. Now, that being said, if you have faith in him based on homerism and fandom, all for it, man. I'm not here to tell you how to fan. But from an analysis standpoint, which is why I assume you guys are here, you want me to give you my honest opinion. Now, my honest opinion is I didn't like him coming out. And I haven't seen, like, he's turned the ball over in every extended cameo he's played in, except for one, which was last year against Philadelphia. His best extended cameo was a 10 drop back performance against the Eagles, which was awesome. I'm not trying to poo poo that by any stretch of the imagination, but it was only 10 dropbacks and it was against uh, the Eagles who were, they had a lead. I'm not going to say they were playing prevent because I don't think that's fair, but Jordan Love mentioned some softer coverages and stuff like that. If you don't believe me, look up his post game quotes. Um, but it was impressive, no less. That is the best he has ever looked, and that is the first meaningful good performance that he has had. You know, the preseason stuff, I don't put much stock into it. Uh, he's playing against bus drivers. He's also playing with bus drivers, so it's hard to acknowledge, um, and it's hard to gauge, like, you know, what's a byproduct of what, whose fault is on what turnover, stuff like that. I just don't. There are some wow moments. There are also some moments in the preseason, so I don't put much stock in that. But uh, morally, to answer your question, get it all out of the way at once, man. If he's good and really good, get it all out of the way at one time. So that's my uh, my answer off that. Some of you guys uh, sent some actual questions, so I'll get through like, uh, what was it morally also asked, should the book of Revelation be in the Bible? I'm not here to answer. Like, <laughs> God put that book in the Bible, man. Who am I to, who am I to question that? But uh, this question comes from at PackerFan, W-Y-O, which I assume means Wyoming. Uh, his... Twitter name is Love and Dobbs. Uh, and I guess I should say Dubs since Morley and Uglum can't pronounce Romeo's name correctly, but it's Romeo Dobbs. Uh, he says, who are my predictions to start at safety? In base, Darnell Savage, I think they basically said is, is going to be that guy. Uh, and I don't think they signed Jonathan Owens to play special teams. So as of right now, those are my my two choices there. If they move Savage around, you could get Charvarius Ward. Could you get... Anthony Johnson. I think that's, you know, in terms of competition, that is the most competitive spot on the roster on the defensive side of the ball going into camp. And as far as his bonus question is, if the Packers continue to not do live tackling in practice to avoid injuries, do you think the players they brought in who are more sure tackling can help the team get better at this overall? And that's, that's tough. Um, there's another question like this a little bit later on as far as like, why do the uh, Morley actually asked, why do the Packers keep drafting good tacklers coming out of college and they turn into bad tacklers? You know, the only, the only way to get better at playing football is by playing football. And I know that's not like groundbreaking analysis, but it's true. Blocking and tackling are things that are only done by doing them. You know, those are, that is a muscle memory type of thing. And it's, and it's hard to do, uh, one of the questions and Morley's take on this question that I would answer is they practice tackling and live hitting and such more in college than they do in the NFL for everybody saying, you know, the Packers, they're tackling these donuts and how ridiculous is that? So that's 
pretty common around the league now, I think. Padded practices are, are pretty uh, limited to the way they used to be. That is true in training camp. That is true all the way through the season. Teams just don't practice it anymore because the the injury, they're trying to avoid injuries, uh, which does that lead to more injuries? Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, but I think that, you know, again, every coach I've ever talked to, everybody who's smarter than me that I've ever talked to has basically said the only way to get better at tackling is by practicing tackling. Well, teams aren't going to do that. So you're really hoping that, I mean, that's, that's the answer really to Morley's question is when they don't practice it in the NFL, that's how they get worse. You know, if I don't practice, if I'm a drummer, that is a muscle memory thing. If I don't practice it, I'm going to be worse at it. You know, like Tommy Lee's been playing in Motley Crue for 40 years and he still has to practice playing live wire, which is the first single they ever made 40 years ago. Like that's just one example uh, of something like that. So I think that's the answer to that question, but it's a good one. I appreciate that. Uh, the next question is from Troy Fox, and he's on Twitter at FitFox04. When Mark Murphy retires, do you think the current power structure stays in place, or does it go back to the GM having full control? I'll say a couple things about this. You know, Ron Wolf famously would not take the Packers job without that previous structure being in place of the general manager has autonomy over football decisions. That being said, I know Murphy changed the structure and there's been a lot of to do about what that has meant. And I've always kind of maintained that Mark Murphy is a bit of a straw man. We like to blame him when things go wrong and say he's not doing enough. And then when something or that he's doing too much in meddling, like you can't do both of those things. Like you can't serve two masters that way. That doesn't make sense. So my thought on the structure is it's not a problem until it's a problem. Now I understand that Aaron Nagler said this to me once, and I think it's, it's correct is Murphy put himself in this position by making himself the guy in charge. Like ultimately he's got the final stamp. However, if you guys want like the biggest transaction the Packers have made in the last 20 years is the Aaron Rodgers trade to the jets. And it's basically reported by Albert Breer that, Murphy was just like, yeah, Goody, go ahead. Um, I know Murphy said he's been actively involved and there was some like other reporting, like Craig Carton said that Mark Murphy nixed a deal or whatever, but I find Breer to be more credible on that side of things. And there's no evidence that Mark Murphy meddles in personnel decisions. There's no evidence that Mark Murphy has said, like everybody's like, oh, did, would Gutekunst have gotten rid of Aaron Rodgers, but Mark Murphy and Russ Ball and Matt LaFleur all said no or something like that. Sure, that's possible. But I also think it's just to get, it's common sense there or not wanting to be the first to do something. No team ever has traded the reigning league MVP ever to Aaron Rodgers and his agents credit. They used that leverage to get the contract that they got from the Packers. Now you could say the Packers, that was a terrible contract and everything. And I don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but I don't think that was Gutekunst saying I'm ready to move on because everything we've heard is that this year something has changed. Something's different with Jordan Love. They see more with him than they have before. And maybe that's true. We'll find out when he's on the field. You know, there's there's evidence to say that. That Eagles game is an example because, like I said, that is the best he's looked since putting on a Packers uniform. I just – I don't think there's anything there. Um, now – in a perfect world, would I like to not have to answer those questions at all? Sure. So I do hope that that is the case. They hire the general manager, let him do the thing, and try and avoid 
you know, Mark Murphy talked about those silos where there was no communication basically between football operations and, and regular operations, which led to some of the issues with Ted Thompson at the end of the career, God rest his soul. So I, I guess that kind of depends on, on who the next guy is and, and what he wants to do. My take is yes, the that Brian Gutekunst should have autonomy over decisions he makes because he's a general manager. And I'm a believer in if you hire people to do the job, then you trust them to do that job. So trust them to do that job and let them do it. Um, so that's kind of my take on, on that. I just don't know that it has been a problem and there's no evidence or any credible reporting that suggests that it is. Uh, and if you want, like, for example, JJ Watt this week, uh, was on Rise and Shine with Adam Shine. And I know he's not exactly a popular guy with, with Packers universe right now because he thinks the team's going to be bad. Uh, and he's certainly not alone in that in that thought. But J.J. Watt alluded to the fact that he wanted to come to Green Bay when he was a free agent a couple years ago instead before he signed to Arizona. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. What I took out of that interview was that like the Packers made him an offer, but it was when he didn't really like it was just kind of like they made him an offer but he was kind of like eh, can you do better than that and then they didn't so they signed with the cardinals that being said if mark murphy was someone that was going to meddle in personnel decisions like that don't you think the businessman and mark murphy would say hey we are going to sell a 
billion J.J. Watt jerseys the second he signs in Green Bay. That would have been a perfect opportunity for him to potentially medal. And he didn't, to our knowledge. So the point I'm getting at is I know for whatever reason people and Mark Murphy has earned some criticism over the last couple of years. Cause again, at some point just like, dude, shut up, stop talking. Cause you just make things harder than you have to. Uh, but I feel like there's m- more blame given to him than what deserves to be assigned. Uh, next question is from Paul Kane at Kane underscore Paul said, who's the best running quarterback in the NFC North and why is it Danny Etling? Well, the answer based on the internet is Justin Fields is a running back, right? So he can't be the best running quarterback if you're a running back. Ha! Suckers. Next question was, Simon, this sounds like a uh, like a goalie's name in hockey. So if I butcher it, I apologize. apologize. But it's Simon Janacek. And you can follow him on Twitter at Janacek Simon. Ask me, what second year player am I most excited to watch? And I'm going to cheat because I'm going to give you two. One on defense, Quay Walker. I thought the end of his season was trending very, very – like if he doesn't get thrown out of that Lions game, which I know that's a massive if, we are talking so highly about the way he finished the season. I thought you could see the light bulb starting to come on for him towards the end of the year. Made some splash plays in the run game, had some plays in the passing game. He was like inches away from a pick six against the Rams – started to just kind of play faster, a little more loose. And that's part of, you know, not being a rookie anymore. And they love him. I mean, they were willing to draft him. I am convinced they would have drafted him in the top 15, just based on conversations I've had with people smarter than I am that know a few more things than I do. I'm convinced they would have drafted him in the top 15 that year. And if they were willing to do that for a position, we saw it this year, right? Again, the Packers kind of going back to their formula of prominent position, positional value, et cetera, et cetera. If they're willing to go outside of those norms, they think that player's special. Uh, Jaden Reed is an example of somebody like that. Like they think he's really good if they're willing to go outside of the thresholds that they've typically cared about since Ron Wolf got here in the 1990s. I think Walker had a great finish to last season. And I think he's somebody that is key to like what they want to do and part of like why, how they want to solve their run defense more on that in just a minute. I just think that he had such a good finish to last season. And again, if the maturity level picks up, which granted, I mean, the, the, the ejections for pushing non players during non plays, it's unacceptable. Uh, Matt LaFleur said Matt LaFleur was livid after that last game. I will, I've never seen him that angry about something. And he was, I mean, justifiably, unhappy with with the way that went down so if they could get that cleaned up and he's matured and is better here in his second year i think he could have a huge year for this defense more splash plays more just assignment sure stuff making plays the athleticism pops like he chased from middle of the field to the sideline justin fields i remember his first game of this of his career against the vikings making a pop on the running back playing sideline to sideline like he has rare traits that the packers have not had at that position ever like that's certainly possible uh the other side of the ball again i'm kind of cheating a little bit i guess but it's christian watson and because of number one he changed the entire offense last year when he was healthy and going well Uh, i 
the light bulb moment for him was in that Dallas game. I always say if you stopped his season right after there was a drop in the red zone against Dallas, if you stop his season there, it's been like he's got like six targets and three drops. It's just not working out well at that point. Well, then he ends up finishing that game with three touchdowns. They throw him a, a deep post on fourth and ball game at that point. They're trailing by 14 points. They hit him for a long touchdown. I just think that by the end of the year, you saw him taking the reins as the team's best receiver. He had a huge – there was a play against the Lions. We don't even talk about it because the Packers lost that game. But Rodgers threw him a contested catch down the field. He's interfered with, makes the catch, and it's a huge play. It sets up their go-ahead touchdown at the time, which should have been theoretically the game-winning touchdown. It didn't work out that way. I think Watson, they're going to build the passing game around him. And I think that is a positive for a lot of things, but he just, again, when you talk about rare traits, like that speed that he has, that's goodbye speed that he has, but it's also the ability to be more nuanced with his routes and things like, like he's not just, and I'm not telling you guys anything that Morley and Uglum haven't thrown in your ears a billion times, but he's not just Marquez Valdez Scantling or insert fast guy that can run in a straight line here. So I think building the offense around him, playing the boundary, drawing up some deep stuff from the slots, letting him attack the middle of the field with the Packers passing offense this year. There's going to be some clunky moments because that's just the nature of having young players, but the players that they have now that can attack the middle of the field, guys like Luke Musgrave, guys like Tucker Craft, guys like Christian Watson and Jaden Reed, even Romeo Dobbs to a different extent. Like they have so many guys that can attack the middle of the field. And I just look forward to, when they draw up just some play action, deep, you know, deep post like that, that second touchdown he had against Cowboys. If you guys don't you know, know what I'm saying and if I'm not explaining it that well, but visually plays like that. I think those are things that Watson can do that can help the entire offense. And those are things that might even open up stuff for other players. And maybe it opens up things underneath for guys like the running backs and Josiah DeGuara. But I'm excited to see. Watson, not only is his evolution as a second-year player, and hopefully he's able to participate in camp and is a little healthier this year than he was last year, but them building the entire plane around Christian Watson's abilities because last year when they started the season, and I'm not saying this was good or bad, but you know they had to build the plane around Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and Robert Tunyon, and none of those guys I just mentioned are here anymore, and none of those guys are – dynamic playmakers in the way that Watson has proven to be and the way he can be. So I'm excited for both of those guys, but that's a great question, Simon. I, I very much appreciate that. Um, this guy on Twitter, I'm sorry, but I can't, I can't read your name, but it's at a N five F E R question was, will the run defense improve this year? Or will it be abysmal as usual? I'll say this. That's a tough one. Because Kenny Clark talked about how like they're emphasizing it more and and everything like that in his media availability last week. And that's cool. Uh, The problem is Dean Lowry's gone. As far as run defense goes, that's addition by subtraction. Jaron Reed is gone. He was a pretty solid run defender last year and has been kind of throughout his career. The Packers drafted two defensive linemen this year. and They're both skinny or smaller. Well, skinny. They're smaller guys for defensive linemen. So they're not beef eaters up front that are just going to come in and, you know, Damon Harrison, Linval Joseph type thing. I've wondered what the Packers dabble in free agency with a one dimensional run defender type. And maybe not, you know, they haven't really done that in the Bryant in really any of the 
either of the previous two GMs with Gutekunst now and, and Ted Thompson prior to that. They haven't really done that. Maybe being more assignment sure, maybe being more disciplined, maybe being more gap sound. I think being, I think a attitude adjustment is something they've needed some physicality on that defense. You know, I've often Dick LeBeau is the one who always said, you earn the right to rush the passer. And I've, I believe in that. I think that's true. You know, and the Packers, their pass rush unit with Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary, when he comes back and JJ and Ibarre, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, Colby Wood and Carl Brooks, like they've got dudes. Quay Walker is another guy that could certainly do some stuff for them as a pass rusher this year. They've got guys that can get after the quarterback, but you can't get after the quarterback when it's third and three. You can't get after the quarterback when it's second and one. Like, and when, you know, in those types of situations, you know, the, the quarterback push play is still legal. So they're just going to line up behind the quarterback and shove him forward for a yard and go from there. You can't, you can't get yourself in situations like that. So, I think that's something that hopefully Green Bay has fixed, uh, but I don't. I don't know if they have. And if you want to go to uh, concerns on the defensive side of the ball, that is right near the top for me. Because um, I mean, last year they were good as far as defensive, uh, as far as their pass defense went. They just couldn't, they couldn't stop. Like the Eagles gained like 300 yards on the ground and it's all cumulative, right? Like if you're averaging five yards a pop, now it's second and five and it's easy to gain five yards in today's NFL. So I don't think that needs to be paramount. It's not like the number one concern on their defense. Yes. If I prefer, like in a general sense, I believe the Mike Pettin thing of you're going to fly to Miami faster than you'll drive or whatever the analogy was that he used that, you know, defending the air was more important than defending the run. That's true. But the Packers have too often skewed too far in that direction where they can't stop anything. And, and that's a problem for a team that wants to play a little more ball control, play a little more possession by possession. You know, they're not, we don't know. Can Jordan love light up the scoreboard? Maybe we have no idea. We have no idea. So you can't get into a spot like that where it's just, hey, we're going to score and take the lead and be ahead of a bunch of teams, and then now they're not going to be able to run the ball anyways because they're down by 14 points. Like We just don't know if the Packers are capable of doing that. Last question of the night from Brendan Dwerzinski, and you can follow him at Brendan DZW. says, what are the best case, worst case, and most likely outcomes for this year's drafted receivers? So the Packers drafted three more receivers. For those of you that say they never draft receivers, they every day two picks since 2019 has gone to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and that includes two back-to-back second-round picks being on receivers with Jaden Reed and Christian Watson, respectively. So this year it's Jaden Reed, Dontavion Wicks, and Grant DeBose. Uh, the best-case scenario for DeBose is he's able to contribute at all on the offensive side of the ball. That's not meant to be disrespectful to him. It's just he's a seventh-round pick. What uh, what he's able to give you at all is pretty much a bonus at this point. The worst-case scenario is that he's cut and – doesn't make it to the practice squad and ends up going somewhere else. And you just feel like you wasted a draft pick. Um, I think at the end of the day, the most likely scenario for him is that he makes the team uh, in what capacity remains to be seen. Maybe he's not even a guy who gets a helmet on game day. He's a healthy scratch type of player. Maybe he does some stuff on special teams. I don't know. Wicks is the one who I think is interesting because the upside could be as high as like rookie Devonte Adams 
because that's kind of some of his game a little bit. He has a, he was a deep ball player in college. The 2021 version of Dontavian Wicks is a day two pick, maybe even a late day one pick all day long. Did not go that way for him. Uh, the worst case scenario for him is that the Jamon Moore portion of his game shows up. Now, we don't know what Wicks is like between the ears. We do know that Moore struggled to pick up the playbook a little bit. So hopefully that's not something that happens with Wicks because if he is able to pick up the playbook, as far as talent goes, he's right there with everyone not named Christian Watson on this roster. Jaden Reed. I think he is an 11 personnel, your starting slot receiver. He is somebody that the Packers clearly value. Matt LaFleur, there's always one pick every year where you feel like, oh, that was Matt LaFleur's pick. Or like, that's the guy here. You know, I remember him just glowing and geeking about Elton Jenkins when they drafted him. And then it was Josiah DeGuara the year after that. Like there are just guys that they have been, and he has been specifically very high on. Jaden Reed, the way he talked about him, and his my ball dog mentality that he has. I think that I don't think they're like building the entire offense around him or something like that, but they very clearly have a role in mind for him. And I think again, this is a young guy offense guys. So I don't, with the veterans that are available, I don't think there's one worth grabbing. If one was like, you know, I kept using the Corey Davis example, if Corey Davis were available. Sure maybe as somebody that could teach these guys how to be pros. But for now, with the guys that are available and aren't available by that stretch, let the young guys do it. Let Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs be the leaders in the receiver room and see which young guys survival of the fittest. The team is probably not a Super Bowl contender anyways. So roll from there. Um, I say that to say, I think Jaden Reed's best case scenario is like rookie of the year type of candidate. I'm not saying he's going to win rookie of the year. I just think that kind of opportunity, like it would not surprise me if you told me at the end of the season, like the team's leading receiver was Watson. And after that, it was Jaden Reed. And that's not a slight to Romeo Dobbs or anything like that. I just think that that is certainly a possibility. And he's the guy that like, we're sitting here at the end of the season going, man, he's the like Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson divide. He's the next second round pick for the green Bay Packers at receiver. Uh, you know, the worst case scenario for him is that he struggles. He's small. Uh, is not able to, to separate from people. Maybe he gets dinged up and injured, stuff like that. Uh, the most likely one, though, I think it looks like, you know, what some of those second-round receivers in years past have looked like. And the nice part about this year is it's kind of open, right? Like the Packers don't really have a choice but to, to play these younger players. So it's not like years past where Jordy was like the fifth receiver on the depth chart when, when he came onto the team. Randall Cobb was the fifth receiver on the depth chart when he came onto the team, which turned out to be an embarrassment of riches. These guys are going to play, so we're going to find out some things about them right away. I'm going to continue to preach patience, and that is especially true with the tight ends, with Musgrave and Kraft. Um, both of those guys have a steep learning curve to begin with. Musgrave hasn't played a ton of football. Kraft has played at a smaller school, so there is a learning curve for those guys. And there's even more of a learning curve when you consider it's tight end. The receiver position is the same way. Like, I... I really like Jaden Reed. That was one of my, that was one of those things where like I fist pumped when they picked him type of thing. Cause I really liked him coming in. Uh, I was a little surprised that it wasn't Jalen Hyatt just based on the things that had been reported about the Packers and their feelings about him, but clearly they liked Reed more. And that was cool with me at the end of the day. Um, I just, again, 
want to preach patience when it comes to this offense because there will be moments where it's like, man, can these guys even pick up a first down without it looking weird? Kind of, but it looked like that last year sometimes too, and that was with a Hall of Fame MVP level type of quarterback, or at least in his past, been a Hall of Fame MVP level type of quarterback. So I think that you know the Packers have quite a few things to to go on for um for their offense but i'm excited to see that position i'm excited to see that battle because andy pointed out that samari toure is somebody the packers have continued to bring up like without being provoked to bring him up which means something watson and dobbs obviously we count them in what's bo melton is he a gadget player what can they do with him is there a role for him at all does he end up on the practice squad and then what are the you know from Anything from wide receiver three back is like an open competition. Like any of these receivers I just mentioned could be the team's third receiver and any of them could be released, like just based on opportunity, you know, then that wouldn't surprise me at all. Now, typically if you're a draft choice, you make the team as a rookie under Gutekunst, but who knows, maybe this year is different. This could be the year at different with everything like that. So, uh, I appreciate you guys stopping in and giving me some stuff to talk about on today's show. That's going to do it for this edition. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Jacob Westar. If you can follow the show at pack a day podcast, I'll be back next week. Hopefully somebody decides to join me and we can talk about it. If you got some stuff you guys want us to talk about, hit us up in the comments, hit us up on, on Twitter, hit us up wherever you guys want. We need some stuff to talk about. It's, it's not going to be too long, but it does feel like it can be a little bit of a long time before we've got players on the field and doing things that uh that are football related right now it's kind of a, a slow slow burn once we get through the off season so thank you guys for listening i'll catch you guys next time